All right. Hello and welcome to another episode of Drive-In Double Feature. I'm Ryan. I'm Nathan. And this is the podcast where we talk about two movies a week every Tuesday and Thursday. But first, before we get into anything, we have a Patreon. Head on over to patreon.com slash drive-in double feature podcast. It's uh, Nathan and I having a couple off-the-cuff conversations, playing a couple of games, uh, just something a little extra we want to give to those who are supporting us. It doesn't affect any regular content, but we appreciate you nonetheless. Of but uh, Yeah. But, Nathan, we have, this is a really special month. Now, we've done a special weeks before, but we haven't done a special month before. And I made the suggestion because... To me, this actor personifies a decade, and I don't think there's many other actors you could say that about. Mm -hmm. Um, And we are doing one of my favorite actors to watch, Burt Reynolds. We're doing a Burt Reynolds month, talking about nothing but Burt Reynolds all month long. Oh, yeah. And this is going to be like a lesson to me because I feel like my education on Burt Reynolds is very, very low. So I'm I'm actually really excited to get into this. I'm going to be a Burt freak after this month. It's gonna, you're going to hurt for Burt. Hurt for Burt. Yeah, I'm going to have a pin and everything. Um, but... You're hurting for a Burton. <laughs> <laughs> no, I promise I'm not. <laughs> but no, anyway, Burt Reynolds, he definitely is like, just seems like a really cool dude and unfortunately we we lost him fairly recently so i feel like this is a fitting tribute to the man's career at least one of the most important parts of this man's career and what did you know about him prior to this uh nothing really just know i knew that he was a man's man you know my my grandpa and my dad both like burt reynolds they've seen his movies um i just know he's in a lot of like car movies I really don't know a lot about him. I just know of him because he's just a really, he's one of the most famous people of this era. I'll say that. He's very recognizable. He's got a very recognizable face. There's not a lot of people that look like him. Cool dude. Now, did you have, I mean, did you see any of his other movies before this? Um, let me give you, that's a good question because I feel like I've seen some of them. Well, I, I'm assuming the big one you've seen is Boogie Nights. Yes, of course. I've seen Boogie Nights. He's really amazing in Boogie Nights. Um, I grew up watching All Dogs Go to Heaven, but that's not really... I'm not going to say that's a Burt Reynolds Oh, hey, no, no, no. I actually... Um, so the whole reason that got me this idea, Nathan, mm-hmm. was I was actually going back and watching clips of All Dogs Go to Heaven. Really? I'm like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> Burt Reynolds is a good guy. Let's maybe we could stretch this out for a month. That, that's funny. Yeah, I All Dogs Go to Heaven was one I watched all the time as a kid. I really loved that movie. And then my grandparents talk about the best little whorehouse in Texas all the time they love that movie that's a movie they love very dearly because i think they love dolly parton as well never seen it though Uh, and you know that movie is actually the first movie where the song i will always love you the song from bodyguard that movie that's where the song debuted before it was in bodyguard yeah which is crazy and then whitney houston took that song to a whole new heights after that yeah but uh yeah anyway we'll we'll talk about that for the dolly parton podcast but yeah i mean maybe 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 one day but uh um my personal experience aside oh sorry that's to say oh and i've seen shark if you didn't know that already oh yeah well 
No, I forgot all about Shark. (laughs) You know, I kind of did too. (laughs) No, but uh, my personal experience, uh, probably the first thing I remember from is All Dogs Go to Heaven. And then I saw Cop and a Half in theaters. I've seen that too. Oh, boy. (laughs) And, uh, but, you know, just going back, uh, Deliverance, Smoking the Bandit, Cannonball Run, Hooper, um, Sharky's Machine, um, a lot of other Burt Reynolds movies. And I would, and this one reason why I wanted to do this is just to kind of revisit some of my old classics that I love and also to maybe potentially see some ones I haven't seen before, which we're going to be talking about one of those uh, next time uh, on Thursday. But today uh, we're going to be talking about 1972's Deliverance directed by John Borman. And this is going to be a brand new one for you before, before we started this, right? Yeah, it is. It's a brand new one. It's one of the most popular movies, like just as far as like, I've heard of it. I know of it. I know the music of it, you know, but I've just never gotten around to see this one. So it was a, it was an exciting one to get to. Yeah. It's definitely one that people think of of like American classics. I think it gets brought up a lot. Um, Yeah. But, um, just to kind of set the table beforehand, um, Burt Reynolds, you know, he had a, grew up in Florida, uh, born in Michigan, did a lot of plays, um, had a lot of bit roles on television, and did a lot of B movies, which we talked about one, um, Shark, which yeah. was less than stellar, but um, he actually got his big break on a TV show called Riverboat, and he hated being on that show because he clashed a lot with the leading star and he left the show, which was like a big taboo thing to do back then. You weren't allowed, you know, to leave a TV Mm -hmm. show back then. Now it happens all the time, but yeah, but uh, back then that was seen as a big deal. He was on Gunsmoke for a little bit. Um, But leading up to this, you know, he had a bunch of like pilots for TV shows. And because of this, he had a lot of, guest appearances on like the tonight show and Merv Griffin and like he, and then all of a sudden he started getting all these acting roles because he was actually going on like these tonight shows and late shows. And he, uh, they're like, Oh wow, this is actually a really super charismatic guy. He's got a great personality. And, yeah. And, and this is, le- oh, no, this is from an era where like going from like TV to movies was a big deal, much bigger than it was now. Like that was a much harder process to do. And especially during that time too, like Johnny Carson and things like that. It was, uh, I was like, can't miss TV. Like everybody's watching the tonight show. Like everyone's like gathering around to watch it. And uh, at one point he actually had his own gig opportunity to host his own tonight show or host his own late show. And he actually did guest host the tonight show for a little bit. Interesting. Yeah. And that kind of led up to this movie, which was his big breakout role. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, and I mean, this is like, a, what a movie, because, you know, it hit the popularity, only cost $2 million, made $46 million the year it came out, a huge, huge success, and yeah, I mean, if you look from his movies from before 1972 and after 1972, you see just how much his career blew up after that. Yeah, it's really clear, I mean, um, and we're going to be talking, we're kind of going to go chronologically with his filmography. Um, so 
where you can kind of see like we're going to be doing like a real steady climb until he reaches like the, the pinnacle of his career. And uh, with this though, um, with this movie Deliverance, um, like you said, it started, it was real cheap production because at first like the studio was like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, put two big stars in here. And there's a lot of conflicting reports about who John Borman wanted in these roles initially, but from what they heard from one of the reports was he wanted Jack Nicholson and Marlon Brando to be in deliverance with uh, Jack Nicholson playing the John Voight role and Marlon Brando playing the Lewis role. Holy crap. Which, That'd be which, really interesting. It would be, I would, I'd like to see that. But when they got the budget, it was like, Ooh, uh, <laughs> got to cut down that budget there, buddy. <laughs> Marlon Brando was like, I'm not going to read the script for this one. I'm just going to come no. and do my own thing. Yeah. Or he was probably like, give me $40 million and I'm only <laughs> going to work like for 30 minutes or something yeah. insane like that. But no, I think having John Voight and Burt Reynolds gives this movie that little bit of flair it needs, honestly. Um, I- I think all four of the leads in this movie are are good. I mean, mm-hmm. they they all do they all play their parts really well. I feel like, um, but they uh, so like the four leads are is Ronnie Cox and Ned Beatty, who those were the two most unknown at the time. This is their very first movie. They were just like re- regional actors really? at this point. Yeah. This wow, and Ned movie. Beatty is you know he's in so many movies, especially in movies I, we cover on this show. Oh, I know he's got like a history, like a long history of being in movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Voight at this time had just been like in a real tumultuous production of <laughs> All American Boy. He <laughs> was basically ready to quit acting altogether until he was offered this role, and he credits it to saving his life and career. And wow, and. And then at this point too, Burt Reynolds, like I said, he was kind of like an a known unknown where he was in a lot of these like bit roles. He was kind of like a character actor, like, oh, hey, it's that guy type of yeah. thing. So, which is really funny to think about considering he ended up being like the most bankable star of the 70s. Yeah, yeah, it just, that is funny. Um, because like, I didn't expect it. He's not really the main character here either. I always thought he was. Um, which he's once again just like kind of I mean he's a big part but uh, not as big of a part as John Voight yeah John Voight is clearly the star of the movie but you know Burt Reynolds does have a lot of time to shine in this movie and each character kind of has like their own moment where they have like a big scene ceiling moment um, now uh, talking about this movie specifically though this movie started out as a book written by uh, author James Dickey, who also wrote the screenplay to this movie as well. Okay. And uh, so one thing I was going to cite is I listened to the audio commentary and I watched the documentary that was on the Deliverance Blu-ray, which I already owned prior to this. And it's kind of funny. Um, do you remember? So you remember the movie Tropic Thunder? Yes. Yeah. So you remember how like the there like Nick Nolte played like the author or whatever that was and he turned yes. out to be like this big fraud and like it didn't really live half of that stuff. Yeah. That's kind of what James Dickey was like. Oh, uh, wow, it was like <laughs> is it kind of based on James Dickey? That's interesting. I, I, I mean, I don't know if he was directly based off of him, but it just yeah. reminded me a lot of that. So it was kind of like uh James Dickey was like this big boisterous person. He loved to tell stories and mm-hmm. he wrote the book deliverance. And 
everyone said of like what a uh, character he was on set and like just like he was so annoying like wouldn't shut up like you'd call all the actors by their character names because he thought like he literally thought it was his movie like they were making like even though he wasn't directing or anything like that and uh at one point they actually had to leave the set like they had to kick him off set for a while because oh so wow annoying. <laughs> and uh it was funny because john borman shared a story where he went up to like john borman and he's like all right you gotta keep a secret like don't tell anybody and john borman's oh okay all right and he said uh just so you know everything in that book happened to me oh my god and, <laughs> and, and uh john borman at first was like oh my gosh like you know just kind of taken aback and then mm-hmm. he said like at one point they got into a canoe and like james dickey like as soon as he got into the canoe capsized it and he's like after that i realized everything he told me was a lie <laughs> <laughs> that's funny <laughs> like, why would you even like go around saying like oh deliverance happened to me like that's just you're opening up a whole can of worms um but getting into deliverance and mm-hmm. i, I kind of want to talk about go before we talk about the plot how a movie this big you have like preconceived like ideas of what it's going to be somebody who has never seen it Yes. Uh, and I thought what I was getting was a rape revenge torture movie. Like it was going to be oh. hyper, hyper violent. Cause you know, everybody talks about the rape scene in this movie. That's like the big, like the biggest thing people take out of it as well as the dueling banjos. Um, and no, it's not really that it isn't really that that is a part of the movie, but I do think it's interesting. It's a good movie. It's a, it's a really good movie, but it is an exploitation movie. I wouldn't say it's anything above that. And I find that interesting that this is in the major canon of like American films. You know what I mean? It, it is kind of funny. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, you know, I really wasn't kind of thinking that sort of mentality, but the way you phrase it, it's like, yeah, that, that does make sense. I mean, because mm-hmm. we've talked about, exploitation movies uh yeah. before like uh eat my dust for instance and it kind of is like that it's kind of like a really well made exploitation movie yeah um, yeah yeah no I, it it's it's very well made but yeah i was just like okay yeah this is kind of in the same vein if anything i think it kind of kick-started the exploitation genre like this is the kind of a movie that you could base off of that yeah i could I can see that. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I, it's so funny. You think of it like a death wish type of movie, which mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like death wish, like on like a, in like a canoe, like in the woods or whatever. And <laughs> yeah, I, but, uh, cause I mean, I always remember that, but I don't think like, I don't even remember seeing like the rape scene or even knew that the rape scene was coming. Like when I first watched really? it. Oh my God. So it was, when I watched it as when I was uh, probably like 13 or something like that, mm-hmm. it was so shocking. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I knew it was coming. So I like had something, but I, I cause the, the scene in this is it's hard to watch, man. It is. It's tough. Um, in the only, the gritty way that only like 70 cinema seems to really bring out these type of scenes. Um, and I, Ned Beatty in his first ever role, that is 
daring to do and very like open to be like, yeah, I will be a part of this scene. Well, yeah. And I mean, I mean, sure. I mean, rape was around back then, but of course uh, it's not like, but it, it was a lot of uh, um, assault on women and like mm-hmm. putting women in all these like perilous situations. So this is like one of the first times you know, it happens to a man. So it's just kind of like, and this is kind of like that time period where men were not allowed to express their feelings or to become vulnerable in a way. And like you mm-hmm. said, this is, I mean, there's, you're, you're leaving yourself wide open and you're just kind of putting yourself like out there and you're just like, this is going to be like the most vulnerable time. Like I, I can ever possibly make myself. Yeah. Um, but that's just getting it out of the way that does that's not even the beginning of the movie this comes in i would say probably about and maybe halfway in that scene yeah i mean because it's it starts out like as kind of like a little like a like two like a fish out of water type of story where it's like these four guys that are from like the city are like hey we're gonna tackle that river and Mm -hmm. And you don't really know what's going to happen. I mean, there's kind of like this weird air of menace, like something's going to happen. Yeah, you know, it's like got a weird standoff vibe to it because, you know, they pull up to a gas station and they're, they, they, they're kind of making fun of the hillbillies in the area and the hillbillies seem very standoffish. But, but it also has a weird like lightness to it too because there's the... The iconic scene of the the hillbilly boy playing dueling banjos with one of the guys on the team the classic sting uh plays over and over again great scene by the way really great scene it it is it's a really memorable scene in yeah. fact that so that another thing too is that john borman he had in his budget at one point a composer to do like an actual score to this movie but mm-hmm. uh that and he ended up losing that in the budget and because of that he just put dueling banjos over and over again in the movie which i think it works i think it does (laughs) and he ended up like winning like a a gold record like that song ended up going gold and you heard it on the radio on the time afterwards so (laughs) that's funny uh for this kind of movie to get like a song from it getting radio play but i mean i knew that little jingle the before the movie i even think i'm sure there's people out there that know that and don't even know about this movie well, that's just, it's kind of like one of those classic things. Like, you know, like when you go to the beach, you know, you think of the Jaws theme or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, if you go to like a real backwoods type of area where it's just like, oh man, look at all these like weird country people. And then you start, nur, 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 you know, you think about yeah. that in your head. It's just one of those iconic things. Um, but I actually like the reasoning behind them going in this canoe. Cause I guess Burt Reynolds there is a really big nature freak and they're, getting rid of the river and expanding it into a lake for a dam. And so they're kind of exploring this river to like experience like a piece of America that's being destroyed. And I think that's, um, I don't know. I guess I've never really seen anything like that in a movie. I think that's a really nice purpose, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, well, because when I first watched this movie, you know, I was, like I said, I was in my teens. So a lot of like, my new plot points or like real talk heavy scenes were kind of going over my head. Cause I'm more just like 
trying to, you know, and especially after you see like that scene, you're like, Oh my gosh, you know, you kind of forget about all that stuff, but mm -hmm. watching it now it's, I can kind of feel like I can dive more into it and they explain why they're doing the boat trip. Like you said that the whole river is going to just be turned into a dam and, uh, like the whole town surrounding it is just going to be flooded at some point and they're mm -hmm. just the whole town's going to die and so it's kind of like this last like hurrah of the river and it's like these four city boys like going out there and uh -huh. just thinking that you know they're a lot better than these people like you said ned Beatty is kind of like acting like everybody's stupid and yeah burt reynolds is uh kind of like a real show-offy type of guy because they're at first like the two of the, the guys there in town, they're like, they offer to, you know, they take their cars back to where they need to go at their final destination. And Burt Reynolds, like kind of does some like real show off type of stuff. And mm -hmm. so you, their confidence level is like super high at this point. Yeah. And, uh, it, that kind of bites them in the ass in the end. But I guess what I find interesting is, um, especially after hearing what you've said about the director during the commentary, I feel like this movie almost like it, it kind of is like, hey, maybe these areas are okay to be destroyed. Let's get rid of cities and towns <laughs> like this because they're full of bad people. I don't know. It, it's interesting. Well, you know, I, you don't really think about that stuff, but they do say lines in this movie where you where it kind of, that almost seemed like the message for, cause there's yeah. even one guy later in the movie, like when they get to the town at the very end that he said, this whole town's going to be drowned. The best thing to ever happen to this town. Mm -hmm. And, uh, at, or like the sheriff at the end, who's also played by James Dickey, the screenwriter. Oh, wow. And, I didn't uh, know that. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the movie, says too he's like i just want this town to die a peaceful death so mm -hmm. <laughs> it's uh it's so weird it is kind of just i i i don't know if they're just trying to say like it's got like a dark history to it or what but yeah. it, there's some type of underlying theme in there yeah yeah i might be digging a little too deep into deliverance uh, i don't know but um once once they do get going in the river um i don't know it feels kind of a it, it it's a movie that just takes such a dark turn so fast because it is really light for a little bit. It's like, oh, we're canoeing together, kind of having some banter together, you know, yelling at each we, other and stuff. Yeah, I was going to ask, what did you think of all the stuff leading up to the, yeah. the scene? I I thought it was good. I thought it was like a almost a little adventure movie in a way. And, you know, when they're doing these canoe scenes, it looked very real and... It, it just looked really nice. The setting, all the trees and everything. I thought it was fun would be the word. Yeah. It, you know, it's like, it's kind of like a river, river rafting adventure. You, you don't know it's going to turn dark. I mean, you think like, I guess maybe if you went in a hundred percent blind, you might think like, Oh, like these guys might try to, the, the hillbillies might come and try to harm them or whatever at most. Maybe mm -hmm. you're kind of thinking that in the back of your mind, but you're not really thinking of what ended up happening is going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. John Borman said like when they were picking out the location, the problem was is that it was like a lot of the rivers looked too nice. Like it was too pristine. And if you, you're watching the movie, like a lot of the colors are uh, desaturated. So it's trying to make it like not look, it makes a lot like all the greens look really muted and mm -hmm. like the river itself that looks kind of like more grayish than like a real crystal blue type of look. Gotcha. They were going for like they're in like dirty 
country like gross okay i definitely got that vibe i can tell you that yeah it's definitely gross especially when they do get off into the woods the whole woods look pretty nasty but yeah no i think the environment looks nice but has like this griminess to it um very very real i guess it it doesn't have a movie look to it you know It, it looks like a real deal yeah yeah i think so and then like you said it was kind of it starts out fun-ish and then it really does go from like zero to a hundred, like just like that. I mean, you're it's kind one of, of those thinking, movies because they, they encountered the two hillbillies and you're thinking they might rob them. They might, you know, beat them up or something like that, but it's, it's a lot worse. I mean, like we said earlier, I mean, mm-hmm. they tie up John boy and they rape Ned Beatty and he does the, and probably one of the most iconic lines in a movie ever, which is so weird, but it's like of this scene, it's like one of the most iconic lines is, you know, squeal like a pig. And he makes like the little pig noises. Yeah. Yeah. The squeal like a pig line. I can't think of any right now, except for South Park, but that line's been in so many things. I know it has. It's and, been in a lot. Yeah. Uh, which is very interesting that we would pull that out of this whole scene. It's hard to watch. It, it is. I think there's like just because he's yelling this and Ned Beatty's trying to climb away. He's just in his underwear climbing up like muddy hills. It's yeah, you really you really feel that. Um, and what and I, I like that Ned Beatty and John Voight are kind of the two that actually from this, they're the ones that get the blunt of everything, the brunt of all of the violence and they get to survive in the end, pretty much. I know that's a spoiler, but um, Burt Reynolds survives, but there is another character who ends up dying from all this. Yeah, and it's it's such an iconic scene, and the line that he says, squeal like a pig, mm-hmm. I've, that was another, that's another story on the set, is that that wasn't the original line for, the, oh, for wow. that scene. And in actuality, uh, he was saying a lot more vulgar things, like he was dropping F-bombs and things like that, but they knew that this movie would play on television at a point. So, <laughs> you know, like that's how they do a lot of uh, TV edits of movies, that they'll film alternate takes, where they'll say like alternate lines. Yes, yeah. For, and uh, that was the television take, the squeal like a pig line. <laughs> but they were like, and, this is too good to not keep it. Pretty much, yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. And look, this movie's memory still lives on in that line, the line that almost wasn't in the movie. It's, yeah. Yeah. And, and then the scene ends in a murder. Burt Reynolds shows up after afterwards and murders one of the hippies, uh, one of the hillbillies. Yeah. And, and it kind of takes off. Yeah. From there. From there, it's a movie about them trying to just cover their tracks and survive because they all they have to think about one that they can't be caught for this, otherwise, they're going to prison, and two, there's other people out there that are going to find out and try to murder them along the way. So it's almost like a paranoia in the middle of a river movie, and what a change in pace! Well, yeah, and because one of the hillbillies survived and he ran off, so they mm-hmm. know that there's at least somebody that knows what they did is out there. Yeah. And um, they kind of had like a little debate on what they should do. And uh, the character Drew, a.k.a. Ronnie Cox, 
was the only like outlier of like, no, we should turn ourselves in. And I, you know, I was trying to think of like what I would do in that situation. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess you really don't know until you're actually faced <laughs> with that sort of thing. I mean, yeah. But you know, I, do you, do you have an opinion of what you would do in that situation or God? No, that is so, that's so tough, right. To be there in the middle of the woods. Cause effectively you could bury that body and probably it's a hillbilly. No one probably cares about. They probably aren't connected to the cops and you could get away, but, but you would have I, to live with that guilt for the rest of your life, you know? But under, at the same time, I knew like what Burt Reynolds was saying, where it was like, if they do go to trial, then they're probably going to be judged by a, uh, a jury of the hillbillies peers, not, true. Not, a, not one of their own. And they would be judged pretty harshly despite they were, I mean, it was justifiable. I mean, it, it was self-defense. You could, yeah, that was self-defense. That's what it was because he, he shot him because he was putting John Voight and Ned Beatty in a horrible situation. It wasn't unwarranted. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. And that kind of, that I like that that sets forth the rest of the movie um, because you know, Hillbilly does end up attacking them and John Voight kind of has to go take them on. This is after Burt Reynolds gets hurt really badly and is kind of out of commission for the rest of the movie. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it's funny because this is considered like his big breakout role, but I mean, he's pretty much on the sidelines for like almost yeah. half the movie, at least a yeah. third of it. Yeah, he, and... he is. Um, but I think why he's still like a big breakout star this because he still has charisma he still has the look his outfit in this absolutely iconic outfit <laughs> so well, it makes sense and it's kind of like going with that uh architect that we were kind of talking about like in billy jack where he was that's kind of like that man's man type of character i mean like like i said like the other three characters are like suburban dad type of characters where they're just kind of like, oh yeah, we're just, we're just out here to have fun. And, you know, we don't really know what we're doing. Yeah. And Burt Reynolds is like taking it super seriously. Like this is like about survival. And it's so funny too. Like, you know, he talks about stuff about the mach- the system is going to go down and we're going to have to live like survivalist, which people are still talking about that today, like 50 years yeah, later. 50 like, years <laughs> later. Yeah. And it's like, people are waiting for like this big grid to fall, but it hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. And, and but, oh, yeah. you know, it's, it, uh, it's just funny that people back then were still talking about that sort of thing. Yeah. People were kind of doomsday, like watching that even back then, I guess it's something that's always going to stay with people. But I just realized this movie came out July 30th and this episode's going to come out right at the beginning of August, right? We'll be right at the 50th anniversary of this movie. That's- that's so weird because we did that too. Like, like uh, Friday the Thirteenth came out like the exact same, like for like the forty-second uh, anniversary or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that's that's cool. So yeah, I guess we're kind of celebrating that as well. well. All right, fifty years of deliverance, everybody. We made it. Yeah, hey, we're still talking. <laughs> yeah, whoo, we did it. I, I just looking. This movie is in the National Film Registry. I. I I almost want to take a look. This might be one of the few movies that we've watched on here. That's in the national film registry for being like an important movie. Uh, you don't think barbarian queen is in the <laughs> national film registry. Yeah. Yeah. Right next to Yurosuke Doji. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Yep. And between that and hot box. Yes. Oh, the hot box has got to stay. Uh, uh, we aren't celebrating hot box's 50th anniversary. Okay. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. But, um, um so one thing I did want to talk about, cause one part that did confuse me as a kid and now it kind of made a little more sense was the one character, uh, drew, he, you know, he was like the only outlier, like I said, that wanted to turn themselves in and because that his friends actually agreed to do that. He's kind of like, becomes like a shell of himself or he just doesn't, he's not, he's not even coherent or anything. And there's one point where he falls out of the boat and you don't really know for sure what happened. I mean, Burt Reynolds says that he was shot, but mm-hmm later they find his dead body and they're like oh we don't i don't see any bullet wounds so it, yeah i guess you're right yeah i guess i don't know do they explain it they don't but what i took away from it and what i was kind of reading from like interviews and stuff is that he committed suicide and oh like, he just didn't even want to be a part of it. He was horrified that his friends did like that. He couldn't live with the conscience of having, like, a dead body on him. So, yeah, he just he just killed himself, just threw himself into the river. Dang, that's really sad. <laughs> um, so, I guess that makes sense. So, he didn't – it wasn't bullet, but he just threw himself in. Because, the right. you know, the water's pretty raging. And they don't say that definitively. So, I mean – I think it's more of like it's left up to your interpretation of what happened. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of more so what they want to do. And there's another scene too that's kind of confusing because later in the movie, like you said, John Voight climbs up to the top of that cliff, which by the way, before we get into any further of that, I do like this movie a lot, but that is some of the worst day for night shots I've ever seen in a movie. Thank you. Thank you. I was watching this scene and I was like, wow, this, this looks bad. Like it looks really bad, man. I don't know what it is. It, it, like you said, it's a good movie, but that scene, I just don't think it works very well. It looks awful. I mean, it's like yeah. amateur hour type shit, like stuff yeah. that like that, that like you or I could make like today and just put like a terrible filter on. Exactly. And I was scared that the rest of the movie was going to be like this. Luckily, this is just one scene in this movie. Yeah, but it looks yeah. really bad. John Borman says like, well, you know, he, he went on this really long rant about how movies are made with computers now and all that. And he just, anyway, he's like, we just work with what we had and, you know, we just, this is the best we could do. And I'm like, was it really though? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He, I guess he would complain about his low budget again. <laughs> yeah, his low budget. Well, whatever. But anyway, no. putting that aside, that's about, that's my biggest gripe with the entire movie. But um, anyway, he, they encounter a hillbilly. They're not sure if it's the hillbilly, the one they're looking for. And cause he doesn't have his hat on. He looks a little different mm-hmm. and, ends up with a confrontation with John Voight and John Voight does kill him with a bow and arrow. And at first, you know, he kind of, cause one uh, key uh, trait of that hillbilly is that he didn't have any teeth. And, but when he opens up the hillbilly's mouth, he's got teeth in him, but he has like little dentures in. So it's like, it may or may not be him. And yeah. So it- I was kind of confused at first when I watched this, when I was younger yeah, thinking, I was like, did they kill the wrong guy or? Yeah, 
And it's kind of like a leave it up to your own interpretation kind of deal again. I think adding to that paranoia, um, because after after this scene, um, they do make it back, and it's it's kind of like they, you know they have to lie to the cops, and they have a story, and they have to kind of figure out what they can lie about, what they can't lie about, and that outlier of someone could be out there that knows. You know, it's kind of scary. And that's a, a big part of the movie. The ending of this is long. It's very long. I mean, like, yeah. um, but I, I actually really liked the, like the town scenes and stuff. I, I thought mm-hmm. it like, I liked, I liked the way they were shot and how they looked. Yeah, no, I think it's good. I feel like a lot of movies would have just ended on return and been like, oh, we did it. We made it out. But this one deals with like the implications of like all the crap that went down. And that's where uh, Warner Brothers wanted the movie to end. They Makes wanted sense. it to end yeah. with them pulling up like the riverbank and like, we made it, we're safe now. And mm-hmm. But, you know, that's <laughs> and not real life. In real life, it'd be like, no, you got to deal with <laughs> the stuff that just yeah. happened. And, and uh, they, they do lie to the police. Uh, John Voight's character and Ned Beatty's character argue a lot because they're trying to get their story straight. John Voight thinks that dead Betty betrayed them and mm-hmm. told them the truth, but that didn't happen. And it's like the sheriff and the, the deputy, the deputy, I guess was related to one of the hillbillies that was murdered. And yeah. they said like, he hasn't come back yet. And so I think it's kind of implied that the sheriff and the deputy believe that they knew that they killed those guys, but they didn't have any hard evidence. Yeah, that's that's definitely the way it ended. It ended off on the very like, you know, boys, we don't want you back here in town ever again. You know, like we you're gonna get away with this, but you cannot come back ever. We won't let it happen. Um, which I think is interesting because there's a lot of scenes of them lying, and I really loved John Voigt and Ned Beatty both are acting the hell out of these scenes. You really can tell it it's really interesting. It's just, I watching this movie, Ned Beatty, who was the most vulnerable in this, you know, he was the one who got violated. I feel like, and you would think he wouldn't be the stronger of the two. He ends up being much stronger than John Voight in my eyes, as far as like under the pressure cracking. It feel like John Voight was having a harder time than Ned Beatty, which I found very interesting. Well, yeah, I, I that's true. Cause Ned Beatty, he's like kind of keeping it together, even though he's probably the one that should have the most PTSD <laughs> from this. And mm-hmm. John boy is like, it, you know, he's having an emotional breakdown. Like when he just even gets like during dinner, like one, like a nice family offers him dinner and he just mm-hmm. starts like having an emotional breakdown. And um, Ned Bay's like, mm, this corn's really good. Though. <laughs> he just ignores him completely. <laughs> I, as I said that in my notes, I'm like, they're just like, this guy's like breaking down and nobody's acknowledging it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought that was funny. Uh, another really good scene in this ending sequence is them talking to Burt Reynolds, trying to tell them that they changed their story um, to the cops. And then, like, the cop is there listening, so they have to figure out a way to tell Burt Reynolds without telling him specifically. thought that was a really, really solid scene. I, 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 I like that, too, because Burt has no idea what, what's been going on with John, John Boyd and Ned Beatty. And then, when, like, the police question him, he's just immediately like, I don't remember a thing. Yep, it's I just... forgot everything. He got, it, he got off easy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, the very last scene where they before the sheriff um, 
I really, really liked uh, Ned Beatty's and John Voight's like final conversation where they're kind of deciding of like what to do with Drew, Drew's family. And Ned Beatty kind of says to John Voight before he leaves, he's like, Hey, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be seeing you for a while. Like, yeah. and which I kind of took as like, they probably, in my mind, they've never interacted with each other ever again. Uh, that's what I would say. And that's what it felt like. You know, they didn't even, even give a goodbye or anything. It was literally just, I won't be seeing you again for a while. And that was it, you know? It's, it's such um, a really good scene. I really like that. Yeah. I, I think Warner Brothers, if they didn't, if they decided to end it earlier than this third act, it would be a much different movie you know at that point it would be like a true exploitation where it's just kind of like we did it we beat the bad guys yeah over yeah i think it wouldn't be remembered in the same way in the same vein now that i'm talking about it now i'm realizing why it does kind of rise above like some of its contemporary exploitation movies because of that scene it has okay this happened but what happens after you know what's the tragedy here what's the what really is yeah out of everything i would agree with you though it does sort of start out that way and Mm -hmm. but it does but like that like i said like that last third is kind of what sets it apart from everything Mm -hmm. and but they do we've talked about this in friday the 13th they do like the hand coming out like like (laughs) john voight's home with his wife and everything's starting to become okay and then he has like a dream where uh, a dead, one of the dead man's hands comes out of the water. Yeah. And he wow. wakes up like, oh, <laughs> of course, of course they had to do it. Um, but I mean, here, here it makes sense because this is just like, oh, John Voight never is okay from this day on. He's going to always live with this on his conscience. That's um, yeah. That's pretty much what I say. He's going to be thinking about this pretty much every day. And I really like the end shot too, like the, the water and it's kind of like real menacing and foggy and you don't, you're kind of waiting for something else to pop out or whatever. It doesn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, if you couldn't tell, I love this movie a lot. It's, it's a really high recommend for me. Um, I think this is a movie you, owe it to yourself to watch (laughs) yeah no it's it's a really good movie i'm happy that i've seen it and if you're one of the few that have missed this movie definitely check it out it's uh it's worth watching it's really really good stuff probably one of the best movies of of the 70s one of the better ones to check out absolutely but nathan What's the next Burt movie we're going to be talking about on Thursday? All right. So the next Burt movie is in a night that we're talking about it's from 1973. We're talking about white lightning. And this one actually stars Burt Reynolds. So I'm excited to get into that. Yep. And that one is free on Tubi. So feel free to check it out along with us. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to email us, talk about Burt Reynolds or any other thoughts, opinions, Email us at driveindoublefeaturepodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DIDFpod. And once again, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. But until next time. Until next time. <laughs>